When Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to say, our Father in heaven. We want to ask about the meaning of that this afternoon. We confess together what the Bible teaches about the fatherhood of God in prayer, Lord's Day 46. If you look in the back of your songbooks, Lord's Day 46, page 894, page 894. A summary of what the Bible teaches about addressing God as our Father in heaven. Why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father? To awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer what should be basic to our prayer, a childlike reverence and trust that through Christ, God has become our Father and will much less refuse to give us what we ask in faith than will our parents refuse us the things of this life. Why the words, who is in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly way and to expect from his almighty power everything needed for body and soul. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 6, where Jesus taught us to expect from our Father everything we need for body and soul. Matthew 6, the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching us what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Christ. And we're going to read 5 through 15 and 25 through 34 of Matthew 6, page 964 in your pew Bibles. 5 through 15 and then 25 through 34 of Matthew 6. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Then verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is God's word, and may he bless us, build up our faith by it. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, The Bible says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And we want to look, as we said last week, at the Lord's Prayer under that general theme found in Psalm 55 and 1 Peter 5. Cast your burden on the Lord because he cares for you. What an invitation. And what an open door to come and throw everything on the Lord that troubles your life. Every need, every care, every worry, every burden, every uncertainty, everything, every sin. And yet it's scary. Cast your burden on the Lord? But he's the almighty creator of heaven and earth. He's holy, holy, holy. Isaiah saw him high and lifted up. You didn't just come into his presence and cast your burden on the Lord. His eyes, says the Bible, are too pure to look upon evil. He's the judge of all men. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's the blessed and only sovereign, says Paul in Timothy 6, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or ever can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. So it's a wonderful invitation. Cast your burden on the Lord because he cares for you, but how do I dare knock on the door of a God who is so awesome, pure, powerful and wonderful. And who am I, the sinful, problem-filled, needy weakling to seek the attention of someone so great? One person put it like this, the only person who dares wake up a king at three o'clock in the morning for a glass of water, the only person who dares wake up a king at three o'clock in the morning for a glass of water is his own child. 
we have that kind of access. Cast your burden upon the Lord because he's your heavenly father who cares for you. And that's the theme we want to look at this afternoon. Your heavenly father cares for you. So cast your burdens upon him. He loves you, first of all. He hears you and he helps you. Those three things. He loves you. He hears you. He helps you. Jesus taught us right up front to speak to God as your heavenly father. And again, it's a model prayer. Pray then like this. It's not that we have to repeat this Verbatim, some get legalistic about it. If you don't open your prayer with our Father in heaven, you're not obeying the Lord. No, 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 no. There's all kinds of names in the Bible that we can give to our God in prayer. But what should dominate the attitude and the confidence in our prayers is that he is our heavenly Father. Think of him, speak to him that way. Right up front, I want you to know him that way, says Jesus. I want you to think of him that way. And I want you to talk to him that way as your heavenly dad. Because that's who he really is when you believe in his son. The word father means life giver. The one who gave you your life. It means Lord of your life. He rules, rules your life with authority. The name Father means love. He loves you very much and cares about you. And fourthly, the name Father means the one who looks out for you. He provides for you. He protects you. He disciplines you for your good and he helps you grow up. Father, life giver, Lord, lover, and the one who looks out for you. What a rich name. And as your father who gave you your life, not only as your creator, but as your savior, through Christ, he sent his son to die for you because he loved you before the world began. And in the son he gives you, he shares his love with you. As your father who gave you your life as creator and savior, God loves you, dear people of God. Colossians 3, he calls you his holy and dearly loved people. Can you imagine God coming to you and calling you that holy and dearly loved? Paul opens the book of Romans to all those in Rome who are loved by God. Ephesians 2 refers to that great love with which God has loved you. Jeremiah speaks of God loving you with a relentless and everlasting love. Romans 8 says, God loved you so much he didn't spare his own son. He gave him up for you. And then the Bible adds, and if he gave you his son, his best, his best, how will he not also, along with his son, graciously give you all things, the rest? If he gave you his best, he'll give you the rest. And that's how God has become our father. Through the greatest love story ever told, when we were his enemies, we had rebelled against him. We had rejected him, turned our backs on him, and were expelled from his family because of our, our disobedience. 
God went after us. He sent his son in love and his son loved us and gave his life for us. Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrated his own love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's amazing. We were lost, estranged, expelled enemies of God and he still loved us and sent his son to save us. The son of God died for us to make us the sons of God. God loves us. And to become our father through Jesus Christ. Listen to John 1, 11 and 12. Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him and who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. So if you as a sinner confess to God that you have rejected him and you've rebelled against him. And if you believe in Jesus Christ to save you, you have the right to call God your father and you have a claim on his everlasting love for you. His gracious, powerful, awesome love. That's good news. And that's the good news our neighbors need. If you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to be afraid of God anymore. Because God will become your father. And you have a claim on his everlasting love. Good news. How deep the father's love for us and how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. You know, whenever Jesus talked to God, he called him Father. Anytime in his personal addresses to God, he called him Father. Every single time. With one exception. Do you know what it is? Calvary. Calvary. On the cross, he cried out, my God. My God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because God turned his face away from his son. He was under a curse. Jesus did that to take my place. Outside of the father's family. Jesus went outside of the father's family. So I might be brought back into the father's family and be called God's child, God's son, God's daughter. Jesus became an outcast to make me a son. For our sakes, Jesus was excluded that we might be included. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Have you put your trust in Jesus? It's not complicated. You come to him as a sinner. Ask him to wash you clean and bring you to the Father. I want to go home to God and be his son be his child. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. And he also said, when God becomes your Father, he will never let you go. No one will snatch you from my hand. No one will snatch you from my Father's hand who's greater than all. You people of God, you have a good Father. You have a loving Father, a heavenly Father. He has the hairs, all the hairs of your head numbered. He 
cares deeply for you. He loves you endlessly. And so when he says, cast your burdens upon the Lord because he cares for you, you can be sure that you don't throw your cares and worries and troubles on him in vain. He's your father in heaven. Now, that's already found in the Old Testament about six times God is addressed as Israel's father and about the same number of times Israel is called his son, his child. So the doctrine of God as our father is in the Old Testament, but this reality bursts into open flower, full flower in the New Testament because of Christ's finished work who washed away our sins with his precious blood, became an outcast for us to bring us into the family of God And in the New Testament, God is called our Father hundreds of times. And in the Sermon of the Mount, how many times didn't we read Jesus say, your Father, your Father in heaven? Over and over again, he teaches each follower of Christ to see and seek God as your heavenly Father who hears you. And that's what we see secondly. He loves you through Christ And because he loves you, he hears you. Jesus taught us to pray like this, our Father in heaven. And as the catechism says, at the very beginning of our prayer, Jesus wants to awaken in us what should be basic to our prayer, a childlike reverence and trust that through Christ God has become our Father and will much less refuse to give us what we ask in faith than will our parents refuse us the things of this life. What? does a child do? What is it to be the father? It means that your child runs to you for help. He asks of you. He seeks from you. And as a father, you listen to your child. That's what it is to be the father and to be the son or daughter of the father. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? One author wrote, Jesus says that our father in heaven is a good father. He's not too busy for you. He's not a deadbeat, absentee, disinterested dad. And when we talk to him, we know he hears. When we pray and ask, we know that he listens. And better yet, he always knows what is best for us. He provides our needs and shapes us and disciplines us like a good father would his children. It makes him happy to do so because he delights in us. He actually wants us. And that's why when you call upon him, Dear children of God, you do not call in vain because the Father is even more eager to do you good and see you do well than you are eager to do well. Because he's your Father. The Father is always accessible to his children and never too preoccupied to hear what we have to say. He, he never half listens or listens distractedly. Your child ever come running to you and you only give 
give them a quarter ear or half an ear. You really haven't paid attention because you're just focused on your own things. God our Father hears with full attention, full concentration on you, his child. He's fully committed to do you good. And there's especially two ways in which Jesus shows this loving care of your heavenly Father in Matthew 6. Two ways. First, your heavenly Father shows his care and how well he sees and knows you. Three times Jesus says in Matthew 6, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 4, verse 6, and verse 18. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When he sees you give in secret, he will reward you. When he sees you pray in secret, he will reward you. When you fast in secret, he will reward you. You don't have to try to impress him by showy giving and showy prayers and showy fasting because you don't have to earn his love. He loves you in Christ. You don't have to try to win his approval or impress him, nor can we hide anything from him under layers of pretend and try to make ourselves look more than we are? No, your father who sees in secret, think of that phrase, your father who sees in secret. And, and that doesn't mean that there's no place for public prayer. Jesus practiced public prayer. So did the apostles. So did the early church. Our father suggests communal prayer. But here's the point, we're no more in prayer than who we are in secret. Because our Father sees in secret. We're no more in prayer than who we are in secret because our Father sees in secret. He sees me completely. He sees through me. And maybe you find that frightening, but it's truly comforting because you can come to him as you are. Needy, troubled, uncertain, inadequate, burdened. Because he already knows it all. That's where freedom and prayer comes in. And integrity and honesty. Because we've got no secrets from our Father in heaven. Now I hope you keep secrets with people. Some things should not be shared I hope you don't tell your spouse every awful sin that's in your heart and every awful feeling and thought you have. But with God, there are no secrets. And that's freeing. Our Father knows everything. So I'm free to tell him everything, to truly unburden myself, to truly unload on him. And there's only one who's in that spot of seeing in secret, and that's our Father in heaven. So we don't have to shout louder like the pagans do. Jesus says here, or put on a show like the hypocrites do because Jesus has brought us into the fellowship of the Father where there are no secrets and he hears us. In fact, you don't even have to be embarrassed or ashamed to tell him anything, to bring him anything. He knows it already and invites you to come to him and talk about it and ask for his help. My child, I already know you know I already know. 
Come to me and talk about it. Share it with me. Bring it to me. And as Psalm 94 says, he who made the ear hears you. He's got hearing down pat. He's the ear maker. Psalm 65, he's the God who hears prayer. And his hearing's very good, very accurate. Do you know what else the Bible says? Not only is he a good hearer, an accurate hearer, he's a good translator too. Because sometimes we don't say it very well, do we, in prayer? And sometimes when we do say it, we don't understand very well what, what we're really asking, what our burden really is that we're casting on our Father in heaven. But you know, the Father is a good translator of what he hears us say. Because he gives the Spirit to live in us and put into the right words what can come out the wrong way. Or sometimes what doesn't come out at all. Listen to Romans 8. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. When do we ever pray perfectly? We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He who searches the hearts knows what's in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He's a good translator. In fact, sometimes we just ask for the wrong thing or at least not what the Father wants to give us for our good, but rather than disregard us or turn away our prayer, he will hear what is best for us for Father knows best what we need. Remember when Paul asked for the thorn in the flesh to be removed? Was that wrong? No, it wasn't a wrong request. But it wasn't the request that God wanted to give. Does that mean God didn't hear the prayer? Of course he did. But he answered it by providing a better solution to his problem than Paul wanted. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is magnified in your weakness. The Father is a good translator. And he takes our requests. And he puts them into the right form. And he answers it. Sometimes we call what we call the problem of unanswered prayer is actually the blessing of transposed prayer. You know, when you transpose, Suppose a piece of music, you put it in a different key. Sometimes what we call unanswered prayer is actually transposed prayer. So that's the first way the Father shows his loving care to us. He sees and knows us. And that's how he listens to us. The second way our Heavenly Father shows us care for his children is not only that he hears and sees, but he helps. And that's what we look at thirdly. He helps you. Now in the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus emphasizes, don't be showy. Because your Father sees in secret and he knows you. In the second part, at the end of Matthew 6, Jesus emphasizes, don't worry. Don't worry about your life because your heavenly father will surely help you. Do you trust your dad on earth? To 
Just imagine that he had all the money in the world, all the power, and complete love. Wouldn't you just really find security in him? But of course, our earthly dads can't be in that spot. They're not God. On the best of days, they're weak and sinful, even when they give you good gifts. That's what Jesus said earlier. But your heavenly father is that and more. And he will surely help you, is Jesus' simple point. He will provide for you much more than he feeds the birds of the air and much more than he clothes the lilies of the field. Listen, do not worry about your life, said Jesus, what you will eat or drink. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And verse 30, why do you worry about clothing? If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall I eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Jesus' point is that when we worry, we forget that God is our heavenly Father. A little girl sat worrying in the back seat of the car as it threaded its way through traffic. We might have an accident, she said. Oh, said mummy, trust daddy, he's a good driver. The girl was reassured and relaxed at once. Well, do you trust your heavenly father like that? And why not? It's what Jesus is saying to us. Bring all your worries to him. Leave it with him because this God is your father. He's a good driver. He will get you through the traffic and you will reach your destination. There is no doubt. Do you doubt him? And remember, he's in heaven. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's all-wise, and he's all-wealthy. A pagan is frantic, says Jesus, and runs after these earthly things because he doesn't have God his Father, and so he relies on himself and on his worries He believes that worry has the power to secure and lengthen life. But that's a lie. A Christian chases the kingdom of Christ and trusts that God will take care of all the details necessary for kingdom service. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things that the pagans chase after, he'll take care of that. Put them in his hand. You just seek first the kingdom. So Father, if you want me to raise my children in the fear of the Lord, I trust you that you'll give all I need to do that. I'll step forward and raise them in the fear of the Lord. Please supply what I need to do that. And Father, if you want me to stand up for Jesus and risk losing my job, I trust you to supply me with a new job and with the care that I need between jobs because I just want to be faithful to you. Seek first your kingdom. And you've got every job in the world in your hands. I leave it with you. I trust you. Father, I'm facing this sickness right now. And I'm so worried that I won't be able to take care of my family. 
And I'm having a hard time honoring you in my sickness and trusting you to take care of all the extra needs that come with it. Help me to seek your kingdom in my sickness and to be able to place the burden of all the details in my Father's hand. He's your heavenly Father. All-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing, all-wealthy, all-loving. He holds everything in his hand, time and money and food and health and housing prices and you must pray that way in faith. The words in heaven are added to teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly way, says the catechism, and to expect from his almighty power everything needed for body and soul. I don't think we've always gotten that exactly right. Our Father means closeness, we were taught. In heaven means, oh, distance, got to respect him. That's true. But the point of in heaven is not just respect him, but expect much from him, as the catechism says, and to expect from his almighty power everything needed for body and soul. There's no limit with our God, nothing impossible for our heavenly father. So expect from his almighty power everything you need for body and soul. The Lord of heaven and earth is your dad. Through Christ, his son, he's your dad. What a comfort. Cast all your cares on your heavenly father because he cares for me, for you and for me. Will you really leave it with him? Will you really turn all your worries into requests with thanksgiving? Do you trust him to see you through this thing? Do you believe that if he takes care of grass and birds, that he'll take care of you? We're not praying to a tyrannical despot or a distant deity. We're praying to our father. He's bigger, better, and stronger than any earthly father. He loves us more fiercely, understands us more deeply, and delights in us more fully. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you are very, very good, our heavenly father. We trust you with all the issues of life. We tend to take them upon ourselves and make them our worry as if by our worry we can add strength and time to our lives. Lord, that's foolish. It's unbelieving. Help us rather to throw it all on the shoulders of our Heavenly Father. Help us to unload it all on you, to be confident that you're a good listener and you always answer the prayers of your children. Help us to believe in you. In Jesus we ask this, amen.